Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. And you have been filled in him, who is the head of all rule and authority. In him also you are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands, by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith, the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses. Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink, or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. These are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. Let no one disqualify you, insisting on aestheticism and worship of angels, uh, going on in detail about visions, puffed up without reason by his sensuous mind, and not holding fast to the head from whom the whole body nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments grow with a growth that is from God. If with Christ you die to the elemental spirits of the world, why, as if you were, why, as if you are still alive in the world, do you submit to regulations? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch, referring to the things that all perish as they are used, according to human precepts and teachings. These have indeed an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and aestheticism and severity to the body, but they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. All right, thanks, Eliza, for reading this. Um, Pastor Ken and Eugene are both out, so I got called up from the bench to fill in for this Sunday. Um, I'm going to give a short message um, from Colossians, and the title of this message I had in mind was this idea of complete. And so, um, sorry, I didn't realize the font was going to be so small when I prepared the PowerPoint. Um, but when Eliza was reading this um, she was reading from the book of Colossians, so if, just to give a little background on what's going on, um, the Church of Colossae came about during one of Paul's ministry uh, missionary journeys, and uh, <clears throat> a believer came to know Christ through Paul's journey, and then that believer returned to his uh, hometown of Colossae and started this church. And so this church was faithful and believed in Jesus, and they were excited to get going, but Sometime in the process, uh, some maybe outside influences or from within the church, it's not too clear, but this extra teaching started to come about. And these people who were faithful and walking with Jesus began to look to other things to find um, their faith, to feel like they were validated, to feel like a better person. So this church has started off as a group who was believing in Jesus, realizing that Jesus made them full and then this other thing came in. And this other teaching was had to do with shamanistic rituals that uh, probably originated from like a mixture of pagan and Jewish beliefs. But essentially, the church was looking away from Christ and starting to turn to rituals and seances and things like that 
because uh, they were being misled. And so Paul is writing this letter to encourage the church to remember who Christ is, to realize that there are no extra things needed, and that Christ began this new life for them and is going to be the finisher of this new life in faith. And so as I share this uh, brief message um, and look through what the Church of Colossians is going through, I think there will be a lot of places where we can relate um, in our own walks of faith for those who are just starting, for those who have been at it for a while, whether you're doing well or whether things are distracting, um, to just to see uh, possible parallels uh, to the Church of Colossian, the Colossian Church. And so my first point is, uh, through him. Okay. So as we read in chapter two, um, as Eliza read for us, we were reading about how there are things that are going to mislead, that there are these things that are distracting uh, the church. But before, uh, because it was a long passage, I didn't, ha I didn't ask Eliza to read it, but in Colossians in the first chapter, before Paul is trying to encourage the church, he sets this precedence. And the title of that uh, chapter was Preeminence of Christ, which means the superiority of Jesus, the authority that he has as a creator. And so in Colossians chapter 1, verse 17, it says here, and he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And so Paul is trying to say before anything else, God was before everything. God created the heavens and the earth. God made this all happen. And so this is the God that you are worshiping, and this is the God who is going to hold all the things together from the beginning to the start of this, uh, the Colossian church, and through on to the future. That God is a creator that comes before and through and at the end. And so Paul wants to encourage them with this reminder saying, it's not some, um, and keep in mind at this time, there are ideas of minor gods or deities this idea of, oh, there are many different gods, and so giving worship to a different god when it better serves me, that idea existed within this church. And so Paul wanted to reassure him that this is the only god, that this is the one who starts and this is the one that ends, not anything that you might engage in your rituals, not anything that you might come across in your traditions. Um, this was the god that we're worshiping. And Jesus surpasses, again, all that that came before uh, verse 21, I don't think I have it up there, but Paul talks about how Jesus reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you and present me holy and blameless above reproach before God. And so he's reminding them as a church that they knew at some point, maybe they had forgotten, but at some point they were sinners and they were estranged from God and they needed reconciliation. Reconciliation didn't come in the form of um, more fervent prayer or fasting or a different God. It came through Jesus. And so that was a reminder for that. It, ain't, it wasn't going to be about these rituals. It wasn't going to be about that. The problem that existed, the human problem and condition of sin, could only be rectified by Jesus' uh, death and atonement for everything. And so Jesus came down with this permanent solution to fix what was wrong with men. And so Paul was giving this reminder to the church and a reminder to us as well that for those of you sitting here having made a decision to follow Christ, that that was the reason. That you and I have made a decision and realized that we knew in our own hearts there was no effort that we can make to better ourselves and it's through Jesus. And for those of you who are still searching and seeking, that that is what Jesus is saying. That you don't have to have the burden to do better by yourself 
It is through me and me alone, and you will be redeemed through that. Um, and we see a lot of biblical precedents for this idea that as good as you think you can be, it still falls short. Um, hero, biblical heroes or authorities that we look to, a faith like Moses, who in his sin couldn't have faith that God has set aside a chosen land for him and therefore wasn't allowed to enter into the promised land with the Israelites. He failed, and we read about him as a spiritual and authority figure. There's also King David, who uh, was given the first chance, or not the first chance, but was seen as the, the king of all kings for the kingdom of Israel. And he himself fell to his uh, temptations in flesh, committed sin, and tried to cover it up with murder. Moses and David, people we look to and know as spiritual figures, didn't have enough to do it. And so Jesus had to come. And so for all of us to look, that was a reminder that Paul was giving them, that it is only through him that we come to meet this, um, come to be sanctified and atoned. And so in Colossians 2.13 up here, it says, And you who are dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses. And so through him, it happens. But um, second point, if you can go to the next slide, please. Uh, it says, my second point is no additions are needed or no additions needed. So Paul leads with this reminder but as we read in chapter 2, it's clear that a lot of people in this church, the Colossians were struggling with this idea that some had veered away, that some were turning to other things to look for, whether it's to complete their faith or to grow in their faith or whatnot, they were looking at other things. And the people were starting to become captivated by these false teachings. They were becoming big-headed, puffed up by knowledge. They were becoming legalistic and ritualistic, believing their routines uh, redeemed them rather than Jesus. Uh, furthermore, people were passing judgment on others' uh, position or stance before God. And people were remarking on how that person in this church wasn't doing enough or that person wasn't enough before God and I was better. And so this uh, false teaching has seeped in and, and then as a result, arrogance um, and lack of compassion started to spread. But Paul writes and reminds them that they were spiritually circumcised with Christ. Um, not a bodily circumcision that the Israelites held to before because that had no value. The spiritual circumcision, again, that made them full and complete. And he talks about this to remind them that that's all you need. And so the point, no additions needed, is there's nothing else that comes. You don't become a believer in Christ, and then you need to pray a little more, or you need to fast a little more, or you need to read a little bit more Bible, or you need to give a little bit more offering. There are no more additions needed. This was complete in Christ. Um, and then here, verse uh, 23, it says, Such regulations indeed have an appearance of wisdom with their self-imposed worship, their false humility, and their harsh treatment of the body. But they lack any value in restraining sensual indulgence. And so... Paul's talking to this Colossian church saying the things you think you're doing, they might look like they have value. You might think that you're a better person and that you have the self-imposed worship that they're doing and this false humility. You think you're better, but in reality, they have no value. They lack, um, yeah, any worth to you. And for us as well, sometimes in, this, in our walk with God, we can be sidetracked by certain things, things that seem 
you know, holy, things that make us seem pious, uh, they are, they don't have worth if the heart is not right. Uh, they are an extension of the faith that comes in Jesus, not something that we build upon after we're saying, Jesus, thanks for giving me this chance. Now I'll do a little better. If that is our mentality, then they have no worth. It only comes through Jesus and through him. That's how we come forward from that. And so Paul wants to remind the church that these are all, they look like they might have worth, but they are all inflated, that they don't have any value. And so remember, you don't have any extras. And as a church for us, we don't have any additions needed in our faith. That is through Christ alone. Um, And it's true, if I look at myself, and I don't know if, um, if you guys do some self-examination, you know, as I was preparing this message, it was a little, I don't know, I, I guess I was a little astonished at how much value I put in um, on my Christian routines, how I made it to this certain uh, event, or I participated in this certain thing, or I, whatever it is. And for you, you can fill in the blanks. What did you do to make yourself think, or maybe even fool yourself to think that you were doing good as a Christian? Because those things, they, again, have no value, as Paul reminds us. It's through Christ. Those things only have value when they become a byproduct of us um, believing in Jesus and worshiping him. Um, yeah, and again, we're not alone in this mistake. If we look back in the Bible, there are a few instances of this. And so I shared about how David was the king one that many of us look upon, one that we read about in the biblical history and see as a spiritual authority and figure, and yet he fell. Um, but the kings who come after, I don't know if anyone has ever had a chance to read through like First or Second Kings or First and Second Chronicles, but it, it gives like an account of all the kings of Israel and of Judah. Uh, but sadly, I feel like, I mean, this is just off the top of my head, but like 80% of those introductions start with, they did evil in the eyes of the Lord. There are rarely often you would see the kings of Israel or kings of Judah do good or do right in the eyes of the Lord. They all did evil. And in this line that continues, these kings continue to mess up because they participated in things that they thought had value, self-imposed worship, um, their forms of idolatry, sacrificing to golden calves or in the high places to different gods. But as that came, well, what eventually happened was the fall of Israel and the need for Jesus as a savior. But if we look at ourselves, we can replace the worship of golden calves to whatever it is in your hearts. I don't know, how, I don't know what you guys value as your forms of idol or the forms of self-worship, but there are things that our human nature can turn to that makes us think that we're better. Uh, being a better person, being a kinder person, I remember growing up um, for a while, I tried my best not to curse, and I thought that made me a better Christian. But things like that, these activities, what do we place our value on, and where do we lose our sight of God and think, oh, this is what's making me the better Christian or the better person? And so as God continued to see the mistakes that men made, um, he realized we didn't have what it took, and that's why Jesus came to make it complete. And to reiterate again, Jesus made it, came to make it complete, and there were no additions needed. Um, If you can turn to the next slide. So I don't know how many times or how often you guys read the Bible or how many different versions you guys read, but there's a version called the Message Version. And I I wouldn't recommend reading the Message Version as your only source, but 
it helps sometimes to put difficult passages into context uh, to help understanding. So I'm going to read this, and you can follow along up here. Um, so don't put up with anyone pressuring you in the details of diet, worship, services, or holy days. All those things are mere shadows cast before what was to come. The substance is Christ. Don't tolerate people who try to run your life, ordering you to bow and scrape, insisting that you join their obsession with angels and that you seek out visions. They're a lot of hot air. That's all they are. They're completely out of touch with the source of life, Christ, who puts us together in one piece, whose very breath and blood flow through us. He is the head and we are the body. We can grow up healthy in God only as he nourishes us. So then, if with Christ you've put all the pretentious and infantile religion behind you, why do you let yourselves be bullied by it? Don't touch this. Don't taste that. Don't go near this. Do you think things that are here today and gone tomorrow are worth that kind of attention? Such things sound impressive is said in a deep enough voice. They even give the illusion of being pious and humble and ascetic. But they're just another way of showing off, making yourselves look important. Now that's the message version of the passage that Eliza had read for us. But if you can just kind of trace this, um, this translation, it's just simply saying, why are we consider concerning ourselves, whether of things that look religious in practice or non-religious in practice? Here and it says uh, things that are here today and gone tomorrow. Why are we either letting our insecurities push us to a place like that, or why are we fooling ourselves in that? But as this um, passage concludes in that last line, but they're just another way of showing off, making yourselves look important. And so the Colossian church was falling into this uh, trap where they were doing a bit more, and as a result, they thought they were better Christians. For us in our own walks, that could often um, be a trap where we think that we've done a little bit more, or we've been doing enough, or we're doing this and that, and so we're enough. But the simple reminder is without Christ, it's just a way of showing off, making yourselves look important. And so my last point um, is this idea again of new life. And so it's only through him, and there are no additions needed. And so the idea that when you come to Christ, it is a new life. Um, we always hear about this term, a new birth, you're born again. This idea that you are a different person, a different being in Christ. And that idea, while we might not change physically or maybe intellectually or emotionally, there is a new life in the sense that you are atoned for. That whatever things were in the past that you don't need to make up for, and you're not trying any harder to be a better person. You are a new person in Christ. And so Colossians 3, 1 and 2, it says here, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things that are on earth. And so Paul moves into chapter 3 to encourage the church with these words, saying, that is who you are. And as a church, they were good at it for a while. They were putting their mind on Christ and purely looking to worship him, but through Outside influences, something came in and started to distract. And so he's reminding them again, set your mind on the things that are above. Um, yeah, Paul wants to help realign the Colossians by putting their view on Jesus and Jesus alone. And he goes on, I don't have it up there, but he goes on to say, and how do we know that you're doing this? Well, look, as a church right now, you're full of malice and anger and slander. You are not able to bury one another. You are not forgiving each other. 
is that the sign of people who are born again in Christ? No, rather, as God's chosen people, you start to show compassion, kindness, humility, patience, an ability to bear with one another, and ability to forgive each other. And so he's saying, this is what it looks like when you become alive in Christ. This is what it looks like when it's a natural outflow versus trying to be a better person. And so he wants them to look back simply on Christ and remember what he's done. And for us as a church today, um, yeah, as I was preparing this message, this is what I thought. I mean, for me, ultimately, the idea... Because it's been a while since I spoke in front of you guys. I don't remember the last time I did that. And as I was preparing, I was like, oh, man. Maybe I haven't been the best Christian the last couple of weeks, so I should try to get my act together. Maybe go to morning prayer and atone for something. And then I didn't even wake up and go this week, so it didn't matter with that. But as I was reading this, it was that trap that I kept mentioning that I was falling into, this idea that I need to better myself before coming before the Lord. Or I need to better myself through my own efforts before coming in front of you guys. Um, but the idea is that's not it. That's not enough. And that only builds up this false humility that has no value ultimately. Rather, we have to come back to Christ and let that be the renewal. Let that be the start. Let that be the starter, the one that carries us through, and the finisher. Um, I also have the message version of this part, but you guys can read along on the next slide of the same verse. So if you're serious about living this new resurrection life with Christ, act like it. Pursue the things over which Christ presides. Don't shuffle along, eyes to the ground, absorbed with the things right in front of you. Look up and be alert to what is going on around Christ. That's where the action is. See things from his perspective. Yeah, and I, I really like this part. Or this uh, translation saying, especially, don't shuffle along, eyes to the ground, absorbed with things right in front of you or around you. Don't be sidetracked by the acts, the routines, or whatever it is. Rather, look up to Christ and let that remind you, if you've forgotten or if you're still searching, remember that this is the starter, the one that carries through and the finisher of our faith. And so just to uh, conclude this message, um, I was sharing this with the youth group because I gave the same message this morning. Um, yeah, there's this word. I, I, I don't know if I shared this with you guys before. So uh, There's this word that I've come to really like. It's meretricious. And the idea of meretricious is that it is something that looks like it has a lot of value or significant value, but in reality, it means nothing. And I like this word because it reminds me that I often chase after meretricious things. Um, and you and I as humans, that's in our nature. So we must remember, especially in our walk of faith, that everything that we do, um, if it's not without Christ, is of meretricious value. They have no value to what we're doing. It has to be through God, through him, there are no extras needed, and that in him we're complete in this idea. Um, to come before him and to remember him, to seek him first, and his righteousness, and everything follows after that. And so consider and remember that you, as a believer in Christ, on the day that you chose to believe in Christ, you were made complete. You weren't started, in a sense. You weren't an incomplete project. You were made complete, and everything comes after that. 
So as you go into this week, as you reflect, as you pray, as you worship, remember that you are a complete person in Christ and that he has perfected it and everything else just comes after that. Uh, let me close this in prayer. Heavenly Father, uh, thank you for the chance to just speak um, your words, Lord. I pray that you, yeah, whatever that uh, the congregation, the people here need to hear, uh, I pray that you allow them to know those words in their hearts. Lord, um, a couple of weeks ago, uh, Pastor Eugen, he shared that, uh, yeah, we must spend time in solitude coming before you and to get to know you. And Lord, I pray that we all have that chance or we create that kind of time to come before you, to know that you were the one who perfected us and you are the one who's going to carry it through. And Lord, I pray that all my brothers and sisters here, those, uh, if they are unsure of their identity in you, identity in you, that they remember today that they are complete because of you, um, not because of anything they have done or not because of things that they might have done that they feel make them wholly inadequate, Lord. They are fully made complete in you, Lord. And so remind us of that and let us live our lives with that kind of uh, mindset um, and let that um, play out in our actions. Uh, thank you for the Sunday. In your son's name we pray. Amen.